Welcome to Through the Trauma Podcast. My name is Amber Larkins, published photographer, storytelling expert, visual artist, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach. This podcast was born from one question. How do I get inspiring stories of triumph out to the people who need to hear them the most? Come with me, enter my world where lives are getting changed, heroes are getting developed, and greatness is being achieved. Hello, and welcome to Through the Trauma Podcast. I am Amber Larkins, your host, and today I have with me Derek Johnson. He is a U.S. Army veteran turned life coach, and he helps people break old patterns. And this is so people can thrive and not just survive. So you can see why I have felt a connection to get him on the show. So Derek, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Pleasure being here, Amber. I always love talking to people who have a fitness background because I come from fitness background as well. Um, and I feel like there's a big mindset that goes right along with fitness that can be transferred into life skills. So I'm very oh, anxious yeah. to, to chat with you. You want to start by kind of sharing your story? Yeah, for sure. So uh, once again, my name is Derek Johnson. So growing up, my father was a U.S. Army veteran. He did 25 plus years. And my mother, she was a kindergarten teacher. She was a kindergarten teacher for Montessori. And so as a child, we lived in Germany because my father was stationed there. That's where he met my mother. And I was the youngest of three, the only boy. I have two older sisters. So with both parents being successful in their industries and in their field, 20 plus years in their industry, everything was good from the outside. My father's African-American. He's like six foot three. My mother's German. She's like five foot four. So I have both different styles. And from the outside, it seemed like the cool family. Our house was the number one house to go to for the cookouts, for the get togethers, for the parties um, after Germany. So from elementary, well, late elementary to college, I lived in Florida, Pensacola, Florida. So the panhandle. And so I grew up there. So our house, beautiful home, screened in pool, everything. My friends were like, man, your parents are awesome. They're so cool. All this and this. But after every party, after every night out, after all of that, there would be a lot of craziness at the home between the hours of 9 p.m. to 1 a.m., but that was mainly because they didn't get the help or the inner work that they needed. So their son was the physical and mental punching bag to release said trauma from their childhood or the teenage years or past careers. So from the outside, I never said anything to bash their reputation because they were very popular, well-known in the areas and everything. So I never complained. I was never the complainer, but I use fitness as fuel. So an example could be late night dealing with drunk parents, yelling, screaming, throwing stuff, doing all that. And you could just tell that you were not the problem. There's something that they were dealing with, but that would happen between the age of 11 to like 17, 300 days a night or 300 days a year, especially at night. And so I learned how to harness that to callous my mind, to not feel angry anymore towards them. And I would just release all emotions in the gym, in our garage at the time or in sports not in a violent or negative way, but I would just use that. And then I would show up better for other people, my friends, my coworkers at the time, my classmates and all that. So I would always try to help everyone. I was always known as the dad of every group because I was the calm, quiet kid, but it was because I would never sleep because of the stuff that would happen at home. So I would have to stay awake until they fell asleep or passed out from alcohol. And then I would finally have some quiet time 
And the next thing you know, the alarm's going off ready for school. So I believe that all that primed me from a military career and from my path to coach others. So that's that in a nutshell. Mm. That is a, uh, your story as you're talking, it reminds me, have you read David Goggins book? Yes. The, yeah. He, it reminds me of that. His, his book is phenomenal. It's great that you're, you know, that you can speak out on this because I feel like so many people will have certain things in their childhood that they, that it's like, it looked great on the outside. So we just leave it looking great on the outside. And exactly, I feel like how many other people might struggle through similar situations like this and feel like they have no one. So I, I commend you for, for speaking about this for sure. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So now in hindsight, I just see it all as fuel. So I've always been driven by pain as in, if there was mental pain, I would, I would say, thank you in my head. I'm like, okay, tonight is dark which means tomorrow's workout is going to be amazing. I'm going to destroy everybody in the competition. <laughs> I would just always have this competitive mentality. And what helped me a lot as a child and as a teenager is I'd always watch movies of men and women who went, th who went through things way worse than I did. So an example could be growing up in Syria, those families, they would have bombings every couple of days or weeks. And I would tell myself, I was like, we have, a, we have a house with multiple rooms, multiple bathrooms. We have a pool. I have food. I have an air conditioning. So I'd always humble myself and never complain. So like even my best friends at the time didn't even know what was happening at home because I just never said anything. And I just knew people personally that had things way worse. They did not have either parents. They grew up in foster care and foster homes and saw w way worse things than I did. So I never once wanted to be the complainer. So I would just show up and help everyone else. But with that being said is movies autobiographies and other information of learning people's journeys that went through dark times. I like got obsessed with those things because it would minimize my situation. I wouldn't pretend it didn't exist, but I would just see the end result of said person where I was like, Oh, from the outside, he's an athlete or from the outside, she is a model, whatever the case may be. And you peel back the layers and I would always love the psychology behind it. And then the older I got, I just realized that a lot of people that have been through hell, quote unquote, they're the most calm and people gravitate towards them in regards to like filling up their cup or some people will call it dumping on them. So an example, if you're sitting in public, just minding your business, a stranger could come up, say a couple words. Next thing you know, they're pouring their heart out to you for 20 minutes at the airport or at a bus stop. And you're like, all right, I wasn't expecting that, but <laughs> they felt comfortable. So <laughs> you allow them to do it because maybe we've done that to someone else. So I always wanted to be there and actively listen and be present with people because I knew back then how it felt when nobody would listen to me or even if I didn't want to talk about family stuff, I was just like, hey, I have stress, anxiety, whatever somebody wants to call it, but I could see it in people's eyes. So in hindsight, I feel like all that was like a mental battleground to prepare me for sports in the military, where once I got in the military, drill sergeants almost made me laugh because I was so used to my five foot four German mother screaming in my face for my six, two dad. So like you have both crazy sides. And so in the army, it was a cakewalk for me when they were in my face yelling. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm used to this. This is like every day. So I would just be super calm. And they saw that they're like, okay, Johnson is not going to crack under pressure. So then that really benefited my career and to be chosen as a leader. So in hindsight, I, I always saw it on multiple perspectives instead of the right now what's happening to me why me god why is this happening 
what do they see in me? I'm a good kid. Like I never had that mentality. I was always like, this is going to make me better. And as a child and teen, I would pretend that like I was Batman in a, in the cave training, getting molded into a better man. And I'd always have these analogies in my head or I'd watch Rocky and just consume all this content, listening to um, eight miles soundtrack, Eminem, like I related to that relationship with this mother. Just, I would just consume myself with all this information to see the light in a different way. And I'd always had a skill of perspective hopping. So I feel like everyone is blessed with some skill. I feel like that was the skill that I was blessed with would be to perspective hop, to not be right here, <clears throat> excuse me, not be right here in the pain and the stress and the anxiety, to be able to zoom out for a second, be grateful, show some gratitude, work on faith, then come back to the present moment, be calmer and say, you know what, this is all part of the journey, and then go about my day. I'm not saying that's easy, but it just always came natural. Is this something that you learned on your own to do? Or is this something that you kind of gathered from reading multiple biographies? It, I think it was a combination of both. One, I always loved sports. So I always loved the training montages and the background theatrical music, all that buildup where I would play these scenarios in my head. But also what really helped me are my sports coaches. So basketball coach, also my sensei at the time, I did Tang Soo Do, which is pretty similar to Taekwondo and various other martial arts. And martial arts helped me a ton as a child and as a teen to be calmer. Yes, we learn how to fight, but on the flip side, it's 99% mental, where we would just be calm and collective and instead of you walking around bullying people's, but the positive aspect of martial arts helped me to be able to stay calmer and then read the room. So being able to read people and read each scenario, whether it was in public or even like the online setting, we've all been bullied online to an extent or in person. So I could read people pretty easy, but it was because I was a kid who was always ready for something to be thrown at them or ready for somebody to yell. So I'd always be hyper aware of my surroundings, but it worked because all that just set up the pathway to different areas that I went to in life. But yeah, so I would say it'd be a combination. One, I would love the mental challenge for myself. And then two, the more movies I watched, the more stories I learned of men and women that went through similar things or much worse, I realized that they were all calm under pressure. So it always interests me how some people mm -hmm. freeze, some people run, and then some people take total control and they're there for everyone. They can handle the situation. So seeing people in public especially a few years ago during quarantine, you could tell who's going to crumble, who's going to run and who's going to be there for their community. So it was always been interesting to me to read the room and read the situation. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a skill is to be able to control your emotions. I know like I, I when I got into fitness, I didn't really understand that, but I kind of gathered how to do that in fitness. But then when I got into business, it was like, okay, you'd hear entrepreneurs say you have to control your emotions and it's, it's much harder than you think. Um, and oh, then yeah. when I, when I read David Goggins book, I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy, like the, the type of control that the military, like it takes to control your emotions in light of everything that's happening. It's like a whole nother level. So you've kind of, oh, yes. you've kind of had, had it from every angle. Um, and that's exactly, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. How do you oh, yeah. think? How do you think that's impacted your business now? Because you're a tra you're a tr personal trainer. Yes, so I'm a trainer and a life coach. So one, some clients are strictly fitness and nutrition, and others they want to work on 
skill sets like public speaking, not to have social anxiety when they go out to the setting, to the banquet, things of that nature. So personal things that they might not express where on paper they might be successful and have the money, but internally, maybe they're still that insecure 12 year old and they want to get rid of that limiting belief mm -hmm. or that negative thought. So those are always my favorite type of scenarios to work on because you could see it in their eyes and their body language once they finally release that and they feel freer where they don't have this weight on them anymore, whatever it was, divorce, current drinking issue, drug issue, whatever addiction or vice that somebody had. That's one of my favorite things to do is have people to be able to break those things so they can feel free. So they have their power. No food addiction has their power, no past relationship, no what if scenarios. Some people are caught up in that. What if this, what if that, what if that, like they just stack. We've all done it to an extent, nice. but being able to calm people down to the present moments and really dive deep to work on why are they this way in the beginning, break that. So then they can feel much freer. So we have the fitness aspect and then the mindset aspect, but a big thing that I teach people and focus on is to be present in the pain and the stress because step one is always with most people. I need that drink. I can't wait to have that cigarette. I can't wait to be around my friends and family. Like they always have to have something. It doesn't always have to be something negative or unhealthy, but they always try to run from it opposed to just facing it, looking it in the eye or looking at ourselves in the eye in the mirror, whatever it is, or our bank account or our relationship. So I always challenge them to just be present for a moment. We're not trying to live in it and bask in it and make ourselves feel worse, but just get used to being able to have the skill to be neutral in the moment not self-judgmental, not too angry, not too sad. Just look at it, zoom out and can say, what is this teaching me? Why is this happening? Is this my fault? Am I tolerating too much for myself, from these people, from this boss, from whatever the scenario is? And then we just dive deeper and ask some good quality questions. And then from there, they'll begin to have clarity. So whoever's potentially listening would be to, if you're currently in a stressful situation, pausing for a moment, being present, if you need to release emotions, there's nothing wrong with that, but set yourself a time limit. So something I do with my friends and clients, I will ask them, how long do you want to feel this way? And it throws people off. They're like, so let's just say he's pissed off. He's like, oh, it's 10, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, Derek. I'm like, all right, you got 10 minutes. I'm gonna set the timer. And then they just start laughing and they're like, okay. Like it, it just, it just catches them off guard, but it's just a pattern interrupter where I'm like, Hey, you had 10 minutes. So yell, scream, do whatever you need to just let it out. Cry whatever you need to do, and just you choose your own time limit. So I would challenge people to give themselves a time limit and ask themselves, how long do I want to feel this way? Or how long will I allow myself to feel this way? Again, we're not pretending that these things don't exist, but it's more so all about being able to come back up if you're too low or being able to come back down if you've been too high for a while and to be on neutral ground. I like to think of it as a smooth wave. Mm -hmm. So another example could be, if somebody closes a big deal for business, they could ride that high for two days straight and then not do anything else because they're just celebrating or too happy and their ego blows up and they're like, oh, day three, I haven't even sent that email or call. Now these clients are depending on me and I'm like, I've still been celebrating this win. So everybody does that to an extent. And then on the flip side, if something happens, is somebody going to be in a rut for two weeks straight and just neglect everything, everyone along with their health? So coming back to the present moment, how long will I allow myself to stay in this state? And when will I come back to be on my smooth wave of equilibrium? So that way I can control things much better.
Do you ever take your clients, do you ever use fitness as like that outlet? Because I know a lot of people and myself included, like I'll use fitness if I'm frustrated or anxious or whatever, if I'm excited, if I've had a great day at biz with business or a great day with my kids or whatever, you know, I oh, will, yeah. I can go and kind of work it out in the gym. So I'm just curious because you do both. You do your life coaching and your fitness training. I'm curious how much you kind of intermix the both. Yes. So we definitely utilize both in regards to releasing. So number one, I always recommend they move their body. So some people, they don't want to be in a gym. Some want to train at home. Some just want to run outside by the water. So whatever physical activity they choose, if they don't have like a specific physique goal, obviously that would be more structured towards that path. But in general, when it comes to stress, anxiety, any negative feeling would be number one, change your state. Your state will be if you've been sitting all day, stand up, stretch, go for a walk, go in nature. When was the last time somebody took their socks off? outside of being at the beach and just like felt the grass, felt the dirt, whatever is where they live and just like be present in nature and like follow the bird for five minutes, see where it goes, the squirrel, well, <laughs> the butterfly, <laughs> whatever it is. And then also have a workout. So I've always believed that we have to earn the confidence and we have to earn our calmness. Yes, we can wake up and be grateful. Thank God for our blessings and all that. But that happens way less than waking up annoyed and pissed off. Like that's way more common. So we have to earn that confidence and that calmness. Yeah. So I always recommend to move the body in the morning. So some people, they don't have time to go to the gym an hour in the morning, but they can easily go on a walk or a jog. So moving the body first, opening the mind and then being more proactive. So that <laughs> way they, they at least got their body moving. They don't feel as stressed and as reactive to everything. So an example, most people, they hit snooze two or three times, then they're late, anxiety goes up, they haven't hydrated, then they have the coffee, now they're dizzy, now their head hurts, now 10 people are calling them and they're like, shit, I haven't even had 10 minutes myself. <laughs> and they basically did it to themselves. So mm -hmm. I flip it and we always say, hey, just start moving in the morning. I don't care what it is. If you want a specific workout, we'll get it set up, but just move the body, build that confidence, hydrate, take care of the body and the mind. And then we will react to stuff more positively. We'll be way more proactive. The same situation can happen and you stay calm. Two days later, same situation happens. If they didn't take care of their morning routine, they're just all over the place. And then they get home and that's when they need to drink, the cigarette, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I definitely recommend to move the body first in the morning, whatever they choose. So that way they can prepare their day. So this brings me to another question about morning routine. So I, I think I'm hearing from you, like morning routine is super important. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I totally agree. So what I recommend to people, they choose their time. I recommend that people wake up at the same time, seven days a week, not four, not five. The reason why most people, they don't actually work and stay in flow state until Wednesday and Thursday. The reason why is because they barely sleep on the weekend. Mondays, they drag ass. They hate it. It's Monday. Got the case of the Mondays. Tuesdays, they're slowly getting into it. Wednesdays, they finally have a full productive day. Thursday, a little bit productive. Friday, they mentally tapped out. So they do this cycle where they really only stay focused Wednesday and Thursday. So if they wake up at the exact same time, seven days a week, their circadian rhythm, their internal clock is going to be more used to it. And it doesn't mean we have to grind 24-7, whatever the cool Instagram inspiration means say. 
but just get up at the same day, seven days a week. And if it is a Sunday, if kids or if the family, whoever's still sleeping, have some you time, go for a walk, read a book, whatever. But the whole intent is to get yourself harnessed and used to waking up at Mm -hmm. the same time. So my golden hour is 4am. I don't do it as a challenge. It's just always been my favorite because it's silent. I'm not getting an email. I'm not getting a text. Nothing is happening. Nobody needs me. And I have two hours myself. I go to the gym. I run there, come back, take my dog on a walk, maybe make some breakfast or a smoothie. Girlfriend and I go on another walk or we talk or walk to the water. And then next thing you know, it's not even 7 a.m. yet. And I've done a lot and prepared Mm -hmm. my day. So now I'm totally proactive. And my friends and clients are like, man, you're always so laid back. And I don't say anything because it's second nature. But in my head, I'm like, yeah, because I had me time and I prepared the day (laughs) at 4 a.m. So again, it all depends on the person. They can choose the time. But what can you do and what is that golden hour? Don't see it as, oh, this is hard or, oh, I'm not a morning person. I would just challenge people to start step one, wake up at the exact same time and put those devices on the other side of the room. So you actually have to walk rather than right next to you because you might turn it off in a millisecond and next thing you know, you hit snooze and you're stressed, but actually have two or three devices. We all have an old iPad or old phone that we could use as a secondary alarm have those across the room, in the hallway, in the bathroom, wherever. So you have to walk. So you want the path of of least resistance as in getting back into bed and then starting from there. But all it is is just the discipline of repetitively doing it until your body and mind have adjusted. And people, they feel such power by doing that. It sounds so simple, but I go back to the basics. There's a lot of modalities that are popping in trending right now on social media, but if somebody can just stick with that and do it for themselves, they don't need any outside sources. Just wake up at the same time, seven days a week, try it for 30 days straight. Let us know how you feel. And I'm confident you'll feel way more in control of your day. Mm-hmm. I actually agree with you 100%. Um, I heard Alex Hermosi say this uh, maybe six, six months ago or a year ago. And I've been doing that every day since I heard him say it. Cause I'm like, this guy's super successful. I don't know if you know who Alex Ramosi is. Yes. I'm oh, like, yeah. he's super uh, successful. Awesome. Right. I'm like, I want to be like that. So, um, and I have you beat slightly. Um, so I wake up, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I get, I used to get up at three and then it got okay. a little bit excessive. So then I started at three 30, but I'm up every day at three 30. I, my goal if I can make it to the gym in the morning, sometimes with my kids, I can't, but I try to be at the gym by four, but um, yes. sometimes with schedules, getting kids to school, I can't, but I still get up and work. And I've seen a huge impact in, in myself, getting things done, feeling like you're ahead of the day. That is huge. And everything that you're, you're teaching is like, I agree with you 100%. And I've, you've even, challenged me just a little bit on uh, on some of those levels too so i think awesome. that's awesome do you think you picked that up from the military or do you think this is something that you kind of adopted it's later a, on it's a combination number one it started at home my mother and my father they've always been into fitness it was a lifestyle so that's one of my taglines i use a lot is make fitness a lifestyle not a phase it always like stuck out to me because my parents are always like, this is a lifestyle. All our friends are fat or got drug addictions. Uh-huh. And I'd always just laugh and I'm like, yeah, at the cookouts, y'all are the only fit ones. I mean, you guys drink too much, but, but when we zoom out in health in general, I was like, Hey, you guys are on point. You're more successful than the other families or the friends, but what they would do, they wake up at four or five. My mother would be doing Tybo DVDs and cassette tapes in the living room with Billy blanks, body by Jake, all the classics, or she would be doing pool workouts. My friends would be like, 
your mom just did like push us for 10 minutes straight. And I was like, yeah, she does it on the side of the pool. And I was like, do some. And they, they tried 20, they couldn't keep up. And so it was second nature. So she would do the at-home workouts. My father would go run and then go hit the gym. And obviously he was military at the time. So that was second nature. That's what I saw. And then I worked out. And also being an athlete. I feel like many athletes, we relate to it because of spring training, no matter what the sport was, there was a time we had to get up at four or five and train in the summer. But whenever we did and we were on it like clockwork, we all felt amazing mentally, physically, and performance was much higher. But it definitely started at home seeing it. And then also being that kid who loved watching all the professional athletes, I was always driven by that. And I'd always like say in my head, the competition is sleeping right now. Like, I don't know where it came from, but I'd love to just beat the competition. Even though I wasn't competing with anybody, it would just be a psychological trick. I would just create scenarios. So the older I got, I would learn about Michael Jordan's stories, Kobe Bryant, they would like create these fake scenarios in their head just to go harder. And I was like, huh, I used to do that because I was trying to tap out of the dark nights that we had and it worked. And I was like, wow, there's many other high level people in sports and business that have done similar things to an extent, but it all works. So they could tap out of the present stress, frustration, et cetera, and then still stay focused to perform at a higher level, no matter how much little sleep how much or little anxiety they have, they still got the job done. So I've always drip, excuse me, I've always been connected to that driven mentality. So you, you have a background that kind of has led you into that. Um, what I, I actually don't have a background. My family was not into fitness. I got into it. Just, I've always been the black sheep in my family. <laughs> I've always done things different, <laughs> um, which is not a bad thing, but you know, I got, I got some hate for it, you know, but, uh, oh, yeah. but I'm curious, like, what would you say to someone who like, maybe doesn't have that fitness background? They didn't have, um, like a, a they didn't grow up in that industry and this is all kind of new. Like, do you, I'm sure you have clients like this. Do you have a starting point for them? Yes, for sure. So what I first do is everything is individual. Everything is on an individual basis. So we look at their schedule. So we start with their schedule and their current routine. The intent is not to change it completely. The intent is not to take a picture of the fridge and pantry and throw away 50% of it. The intent is to say, what are your work hours? How do you sleep? Do you have kids? Do you not have kids? Learning all the details of their normal daily routine and their weekly routine. And then from there, after that, we're on the same page. My step one for everyone after learning their routine is we ask the question, what can I get rid of? eliminate or replace, which will help me make more results. So I never tell clients, you got to be in the gym at six, you got to be there at seven, you got to, I don't do that. I, I just say, hey, what do you think you could eliminate that'll help you make more progress? And they're like, uh, DoorDash and Uber Eats at 8pm after a long day, <laughs> uh, Grey Goose, um, too much TV, whatever it is, everybody has their thing. So then like, I just have them write it, I didn't create it. Because everybody's hyper aware of what we could do less of or get rid of. So we break those things down. And then basically, if that thing isn't something that's majorly unhealthy, we flip that into something that they have to earn. So like an example could be a lot of people work remote now. So maybe in between every call, they watch one episode of their show. And then it's hard for them to psychologically get back into sales mode when they were just laughing at some stand up comedy thing on Netflix or whatever they're watching. So I would challenge people to say, hey, that show's not bad. That's your thing. That's what you enjoy. It's all about you. But flip it and say, I cannot watch that. And I cannot sit on my favorite chair until I earned it. 
So by the time I sit in that chair and watch my show, I'm like, ah, I crush it today. And the whole scenario changes rather than I sit in that chair while I'm stressed. I watch this show to overshadow the demons I don't want to face or whatever they're going through. That's normally a vice that people use to escape reality. So we flip it and eliminate what is unhealthy or not serving them. And then the other things that are not unhealthy or that bad, we just flip it and say, when I do eat this thing or watch that thing or do the set activity, I have to earn it first. Mm -hmm. And then from there, they actually schedule it. So like we flip it again and say, your schedule is filled with things for everybody else, work, clients, family, this, that, birthdays, what is on your schedule for you? Mm -hmm. And most people look and they're like, don't really have anything for myself unless like they have a spa day that's planned, which is rare for most people. But I challenge them then at that point to schedule their own things, which is strictly for their mind, strictly for their fun hobbies or activities. And then when they get that notification, they're like, huh. In two hours, I'm supposed to go take myself to lunch. And like, mm -hmm. it's a pattern interrupter because we're like, usually I hate my calendar. Now they get excited. So that's normally how we start off on. We learn about the routine. We focus on what we can eliminate, make those small adjustments. And then from there on a week by week basis, we'd make any adjustments if needed. Mm -hmm. But that's how I start off with everyone rather than just going, hey, I'm the vegan guy. Hey, you got to eat liver if you want real protein. Hey, I'm not the extremist of anything. I'm just saying, hey, we're holistic. You got to do something that's actually sustainable because most of these fad diets or five times a day, get in an ice bath and sauna, like all these things work, but everything is trendy. Everything is in your social media feed. People feel overwhelmed. There's information overload, but I just ask them, when do you wake up? When do you go to sleep? And what can we get rid of? And they slow down and they forget all this stuff that they've seen on social media and they focus on their own thing. Mm -hmm. So I focus on helping people get their own power back. So they ignore all the trending stuff right now because most people are overwhelmed nowadays because of all the stuff that's pushed. Yeah. And, you know, it's awesome what you do as well, because you have the two parts of your business, which is your fitness and your, and your life uh, coaching. And to me, it's like, especially for, for an athlete, it's kind of different than for someone stepping into fitness for the first time or stepping into trying to exactly. get into shape. Um, because there's a big, huge thing called discipline <laughs> that they have to have yeah. <laughs> to do all of these things. But when you are now coupling life coaching with that, now it's like you're kind of attacking both of those. So ideal for someone who is, who has never really dabbled in any kind of you know, fitness or trying to get into shape. Cause it is, it's, it's a, it's a, not a small feat. <laughs> to... Oh yeah, for sure. hundred percent. What, but... what I like to help people focus on is count and stack their wins. What wins have you had this morning? So an example could be he or she did not hit snooze today. That was the first time in two years they didn't hit snooze. They're like, wow, I did it to them. It's huge to somebody else. I mean, they might be like, okay, she didn't hit snooze, but it's huge for them. It's all about how they feel. So I always say, it doesn't matter how big or small it was. It's all about the confidence and the pride and power you felt in the moment. You didn't hit snooze, boom, there's your first win. What did you choose when you opened the fridge? You chose the water over the Milo sweet tea. Perfect. What's next? You hit every green light on the way to work. Perfect. Four, like we just stack wins all day. It could be the smallest thing. It's all about what makes them feel good and gives them a rush. And then their subconscious starts to look for more of that. So there's a part of the brain called the reticular activating system, the RAS, so that part of the brain, it hyper fixates on things. So an example could be a yellow punch buggy, a yellow Volkswagen. 
if we say yellow Volkswagen, somebody's going to see one in traffic later. Next thing you know, they're going to see them all over their city. Like, damn, I never noticed there's all these yellow Volkswagens everywhere. But that's that part of the brain that's hyper fixated and focused on that thing. So I bring up that example because we've all seen that to an extent with vehicles. You can prime your subconscious to do the same thing with winning and success with whatever version of success you want. So the brain will say, okay, you did great this morning. How can we get more? And it starts looking for positive things because currently everybody's mind already does this on autopilot in a negative way. You're not enough. Remember in 2018, this happened, this like all these thoughts happen all day long, negative, negative, negative. So I love to flip it with them. And so their mind after a few weeks starts to focus on the positive and they just feel much lighter. And then they have clarity and they're like, wow, I used to talk really bad to myself. I did that for five years straight. Holy, <laughs> like this, because when you tap out and you realize how good you've been for a while or how much you've been winning, it's mind blowing how bad people treat themselves, but not realizing it. Mm -hmm. So our relationship with ourselves is just like with others. We, we've all had a friend who, who you're like, why are you still married to him? Why is she still dating him? Why is he with her? And you're like, I love you guys. You're my friends and family, but I'm not going to give my advice. And once they're out of it, they're like, Amber, how did you let me stay in this relationship or whatever it was? And it's the same thing with themselves. They look back and they perspective hot for a moment. They're like, wow, I'm proud of myself. It's crazy. I tolerated this of myself or from others back then. So we tap into that by simply stacking the wins. What have you done in the first two hours that makes you happy, you feel good, and you feel confident? Mm -hmm. Once the mind is focused on that, all day long, the brain is going to say, ooh, I like this. Where can we get more of this adrenaline rush? Mm -hmm. And that is the way to build confidence as well. So like, um, oh, yeah. when I come from being, I, I, I feel like I had confidence and then I lost it. And then I had, you know, I just go through these cycles of life. But when I really buckled down and tried to figure out like, okay, where's my lack of confidence coming from? It's because I was failing myself. I wasn't doing the things that I knew would be healthy and make me a healthy person. So I feel like when you can like exactly what you're describing, you can start to focus on the positive things and you're doing the positive things. The more oh, you yeah. do the positive things, the more your confidence is going to grow and then you're going to do more positive things and then you're going to confidence is going to grow. So I feel like you continue to do that. And something else you said that I, I totally agree with is what you focus on is going to expand. So if you're focusing on positive exactly. things, it, have you ever heard that? like exactly what you described, how you look around the room and you try to find the color red or whatever. And you look around, you try to find red. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you I close your eyes. I actually have a red shirt on my table here. <laughs> yeah, and then you close your eyes and you're like, okay, now how much brown did you see? And you're like, I didn't look for brown. <laughs> so I can't, exactly. I don't remember. But it's crazy how, I mean, try that for anyone who's listening, like try that because you will see that you, whatever you focus on, you're going to notice and you can remember those oh, things. Yes. So that's, that's yeah, great. Going advice. back to that. Yeah. Appreciate it. Going back to that is also like to bounce off people's morning routine is usually consistent of grabbing their phone, opening up social media, and they have zero control of the first thing they're going to see. So like I tell my clients, I'm like, I post at four and 5 AM, but it's the morning routine, but I don't consume. I create and I consume less. And they're like, huh, that makes sense. And I tell them, like, I'm intentional when I grab my phone. Most people, they grab it for entertainment. Next thing you know, 30 minutes goes by. They don't know how they got from TikTok to Instagram to YouTube to Amazon. And their cart is full. And they're like, the hell just happened? And, like, <laughs> their attention span is all over the place. 
but being more intentional when you grab your devices and also what you consume. What do you allow in your mind? Do you turn on CNN or the Weather Channel or are you watching these rabbit holes on TikTok? Teach their own, but why start the morning like that? You're just planting negative seeds in the morning. So come 2 p.m. or 3 p.m., you might be wondering, damn, why am I so stressed today? Why am I sad for no reason? There's nothing to be sad about. But then they forgot at 6 a.m. in bed, they rolled over and saw a sad dog video on their phone or whatever's happening somewhere in the world. And they just got really depressed for a moment. And it could have been one minute, but that one minute was one minute seed planted in their subconscious and it's just growing. But on the flip side, if they worked out, listened to an empowering song, podcast, whatever they're into that made them feel good and excited, it changes the whole trajectory of the entire day. So I always challenge people to say, what do you allow into your mind and your body? We all know food and healthy food to an extent, uh, water intake, but even more important is psychologically what is on our phone when we're scrolling. What are you listening to? Is it only breakup songs? Is it only sad music? I mean, in the, in the gym, it can help. It gives us chills. We push harder on weight, but the majority of people are always listening to negative media, negative movies, breakup songs, watching horror movies, watching the news. And the next thing you know, they're just like overwhelmed before the days even started. So wow. I would get yeah. rid of all that stuff and just focus on what actually is going to serve you and help you. Yeah. Yeah. I often say there's no, there, I can see why there's, a mental health e epidemic in the United States because oh, they're yeah. constantly being pushed. And, you know, like you said, all the different things that we're putting in our body, our mind is probably the number one thing because your mind is the thing that's making decisions as to what are you going to eat? What are you going to, you know, your mind is what's making decisions. So it's so vital that you feed it the right things. Um, I, oh, I, yes. I wish there, I wish people could understand that a little more. Um, but it takes, again, it goes back to discipline and it goes back to building that confidence exactly. in yourself. Say you do it and do it. <laughs> Say you're going to do it and yes. do it. Um, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then there, there's a term called conscience congruency, which essentially just means whatever your conscience is guiding you to do, do more of that. Where it's just a simplistic way of thinking of it. You open your fridge. What do you grab? You open your pantry, you open up social media, what are you going to do? Just being more intentional. So anytime that you do something that drifts you towards your conscience and you agree with it and you do the positive thing, you build that power in the smallest things. Another example is you're in a store and you're in a hallway, or let's just say you're in an aisle, you're in Publix, Target, wherever you shop at, you're on an aisle and you see a candy wrapper in the middle of the aisle and you're the only one in the aisle. Do you pick up the candy wrapper and throw it away or put it in your pocket to throw it away on the way out? Or you just walk by it and say, that's not my job. That's why they have janitors. I believe, teach their own, but I believe if the person leaves it there, they do that with their own life, with their own car, with their finances, with their relationship. They usually have a sticky cup holder in their car. Like everything is all over the place because like, they're like, oh, so I'm going to get around to it. And if you really look at it, like that's a huge thing. We used to do that at my unit in the army. We would figure out who drove what car. And we'd walk the parking lot and look in their window like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's going to be late. He's not going to do stuff. So now should I not judge, but we judge the hell of people. In the but like you could tell a lot by the way somebody carries themselves, what they do in public when they see trash out. And then also the analogy that you see online with the shopping cart. Do you push the shopping cart back or you just let it go and it's going to hit somebody's car? Like all those small decisions add up. And if you really look at it, 
if you neglect those small decisions, you're going to do the exact same thing with the major decisions. And then it's not by surprise, it's more by design why your life is the way it is, positive way, mid-level or low level, whatever their version of that is. But looking at those small decisions, what do you do? Do you walk by the trash or maybe that pile of clothes is still in the corner in the bedroom and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna get to that Sunday. And it's been two weeks, like all that stuff that's piling up, take care of it because it usually takes less than five minutes, whatever it is. But I like to really focus on the small things because there's a lot of modalities and techniques and there's all this new stuff out there, but keeping it simple. Do you walk by the trash and pick it up? How does your house look right now? Would you be confident to do a 360 with your camera and go Facebook Live or is it too messy? Like all those scenarios to pretend somebody's always watching, that makes you show up better. So conscious congruency, doing what your conscious is telling you and not ignoring it. That's good right there because I work a lot on my own personal growth. I feel like I've come a long way, but that is something that I struggle with. <laughs> I'm the one with the <laughs> sticky cup holder. Um, <laughs> it takes a lot to admit that, but it's true. But I agree. I actually heard a coaching on this um, about how all the little things, like it, it takes so much energy for you to notice these things and walk past them every day. So I can attest to, you know, I'm one of those people that's trying to get better at that, but um, you know, we're not perfect. <laughs> and we have things that we oh, work yeah. on. Just just being honest with ourselves is always step one. And it's funny. I think just for me growing up with the German mother, if people are familiar with Germans, very clean, very concise and professional. So I grew up a professional cleaner. Not that we had a cleaning company, but I would always cleaned up the big house and the cars before the guests came and it was second nature. But then when I got into college, everybody came to my place for movie night or dinner night. They're like, man, your, your place is so clean. It's always smells good. And in my head, I'm like, this is normal. And then I go to their place. I'm like, I'm never going to your place again. Like you, you guys live like this. I'm not using your bathroom. I'm going to go to the store. <laughs> like, so like when you see this stuff, then it makes sense. I'm like, huh, no wonder this happened with their fit. Like you, you have a lot of clarity. Mm -hmm. So it makes a lot of sense when you zoom out and you look at somebody's upbringing and the intent is you can always get better and learn from others, but just being hyper aware of the smallest things, like what do we allow? And Nobody's perfect, but being more, being more concise about what you do. So like an example, I got a haircut yesterday and I shaved every time that I shave my face, I think of it. I'm like, am I going to miss that spot right under my nose again, or near my ear? Are you going to rush to get on that call or start your day? Or are you going to get that little wick of hair? So like, I'm so hyper fixated on those small things. And I'm like, you got to get it. And it could be the German. It could be the military. It could be a combination, or it's just like my inner dialogue saying, if you lack this, your day's going to suck. And you're going to think about that little hair. And so like <laughs> that might give somebody anxiety to, to say that. But if you're hyper aware of the smallest things, you'll do much better in the big things. Because mm -hmm. if you already have your home squared away, your body and your mind, life is much easier because you have more control of your space in here, your space of where you live. And then you can control everything else where I challenge people to get rid of the clutter, whatever it is. It could be mental clutter. It could be clutter in the trunk. It could be clutter in the bathroom. Get rid of the clutter or clean it and you'll feel at peace and be able to breathe again for a moment. And then you can take control and take more action again. Do you set aside time to do this? So this is that's an honest question. I really am curious. Like, do you take time where you say, okay, like every Wednesday, 
that I'm going to set aside, you know, two hours to do all the little things, change the light bulbs, wipe off the dust, you know, in my house or or what the little things, you know, that makes, makes a big difference. I agree. Um, Yes. Do you set aside time for that? So it's not so much setting aside time. I would say Sundays, my girlfriend and I, we do clean our place in the morning, but it's more so here's an example. I had lunch earlier washing the plate or putting it in the dishwasher, like getting it done before we continue instead of putting it in the sink. And I was saying, I know it sounds so simple, but Mm -hmm. if you start like challenging yourself to do it, because washing that plate or cup takes less than a minute. Mm -hmm. So if you really zoom out, we're like, how many minutes are in our sink? How many minutes are on the table? How many minutes is stacked on your floor? So when it comes down to it, we're literally just stacking up time around us. We feel overwhelmed. Then we look at whatever it is. We're like, that's going to take me two hours. But if we really break it down to the moment of when you put the cup in there, start with the smallest thing. And I treat everything like a game. So I'm like playing games and on different levels in my head all day. So it just keeps it fun rather than like, I don't want to do this thing. Every time you feel that, uh, I don't want to do this, zoom out and say, okay, every night when I sit in bed or on the couch, I have to watch a video of myself and what I did that day. Mm-hmm. Will I be proud of who I see? And you can only say yes or no. So do everything for that day that's going to make you say yes. And it could be the smallest thing of washing the cup. But that's more how, so how, how we do it. We just focus on the small thing in the moment of time. Mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes you might have to rush and get on a call or do whatever. But in general, most of your things should be done right then because it takes less time rather than stacking mm-hmm. up things, which I feel like you're just stacking up time, which adds a lot of stress, anxiety, annoyance, and we carry that energy. So just playing that game and getting it done quicker, because a lot of the things that we neglect doesn't take much time, but we've been neglecting it for weeks or months. And it's like a bag that's over us of negativity and weight. And if we think about it, we're like, how long will this thing really take me? That mm-hmm. phone call will take mm-hmm. two minutes. Mm-hmm. I've neglected it for two months. This two minute phone call has power over me. What mm-hmm. am I doing? So like perspective hopping like that, we really look at it. And that's one of my favorite things, again, to like focus on and I just create these games with my clients and friends where they're like, wow, I never thought about it that way. And it's more so just pattern interrupter. That's all you're doing. We all have a positive pattern and we all have a pattern that doesn't serve us. So creating a better pattern. We're not saying we all have terrible habits. It's just patterns. The pattern is I'm too busy. I'm going to do it later. The pattern is, oh, I'm going to do that Sunday. And we Mm -hmm. do that with a lot of things and then everything else piles up. So when a real situation happens at work or with family, that's essentially just the icing on the cake that makes us want to snap, break down or whatever. It's not that that scenario was really that bad. It was just, we have these 10 things over here we neglected. So this one thing just triggered us. And then we just want to erupt on somebody else, cry mm-hmm. or whatever we feel, mm-hmm. but that's normally what it is. <laughs> we just yeah. let too much build up. Yeah. It's energy. It's, I mean, like I do notice when I have something, you know, I, I, I blame it on my kids a lot of times. <laughs> like it's their fault. <laughs> They did this, which they do a lot of stuff, you know, kids are, it's hard. It's a whole nother level of it, of a uh, messiness. Oh, yeah. But it, I do notice what you're saying is so true. Like if there is a dish in the sink, it's, it just is nagging. It's like an, it's an energetic force. That's like keeping me from being my best self. So I agree with you. Um, I, yeah. So I'm going to take into consideration some of the, 
some of the things you said going <laughs> about my car holder as soon as we get off the podcast. But <laughs> awesome. um, no, I I think that's really awesome advice, and um, I I can tell you have a very you know very set mindset, and uh, I feel like it has been a struggle over the years for me to really get to that place. I've very, I've always been very structured, but um, do you ever get like pushback from people like, Oh, Derek, you're too much. Like it's too, it's too much or too strict. You shouldn't do that. I'm just curious. Do you yes. ever get that? How yes. do you respond? 100%. How do you 100%. respond to that? That's, that's a great question. So one of my favorite quotes is actually by Andy Frisella. This was years ago on his podcast, The MFCEO Project. He's one of, one of my favorite men. I just love that he's at that high level and speaks his mind. I've always loved authenticity. So going to the scenario, he said, I'm not for everyone, neither are you. I started saying that to my family and friends and like it would catch them off guard. And I wouldn't say it in a condescending way, but I'm like, I'm not for everyone. Like. An example, I use the F word a lot. Former military, we just drop F-bombs. It could be used as many adjectives. Some people don't like that. But at the end of the day, when they're going through something and they know that they need somebody to count on, they know they can call Derek at any time because he's always going to be up and doesn't sleep. So I bring that up because I'm like, all right, maybe I might drop the F-bomb, but your family and friends have watched you gain 50 pounds these past few years. I'm the only one that spoke up. So, and then I go back to the thing, to the scenario, and I'm like, do I just make you uncomfortable or do I make you feel like you're shining a light on what you want to work on? Cause I just want to help you. And then once they really zoom out, they're like, you know what? You're right. Everybody's been offering me more drinks or more food. Oh, it's been a long day. Let's go get some drinks. I'm like, they invite you to the club and the bar. I just invite you to the gym or I just invite you to go for a walk by yourself. And then they're like, and there's really nothing to say. It's not an argument, but that's more so how I break it down. I'm like, why is it that? Cause it's usually more, it's usually just an internal thing of why somebody would say that. So it's more of people are projecting. So I don't really argue, but I had that a lot from my family cause I wouldn't listen to them. Cause I would always tell them I was that teen that I was open to getting mentored and coached, but I was that teen that I would ask them, I don't know where it came from, but people would give me advice and I would just look at them and say, if I take your advice, will I end up like you? And it would throw teachers, it would throw people off. And I was just being totally transparent. Like I was being neutral. I wasn't being angry. And I was just asking them. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you binge drink, you're overweight, this and this, you've had three divorces. Should I take your advice? And then they would just be shocked. And I'm like, I'm just being honest. And then I'd be calm. And they're like, wow. And it was a one-on-one -on -one conversation every time. Like I wouldn't bash anybody in public. It would just be one-on-one. -on -one. And then they're like, you know what? You're right. You shouldn't. <laughs> and the so next good. time that I see them, they started working on themselves. And they're like, hey, since that conversation, I started going on walks. I'm down 10 pounds. And I was like, yeah, there we go. And it's interesting how it works. Like, again, that's not for everybody, but that's just like the analogy that I always had. It always was in my head. And that's the pushback. So instead of giving people an argument, I don't argue. I just look at the facts. And I say the same thing to my friends. I'm like, if you see me slacking, I'd rather you speak up than say, oh, yeah, Derek's just going through a phase. Like we don't need to be coddled. We need that friend who's going to be blunt mm -hmm. and to say, this is toxic. You have to do something. That is the friend of the family member that truly loves you. Everybody else, they just want you just enough above them, but not too far. They want you right there with them so you can all have the misery party. But your friend that's going to be honest, open, and blunt, they want to celebrate with you because you worked through those things, whatever you're going through. That's mm -hmm. a whole new level of release 
rather than the, oh, come back down here with us. So mm-hmm. again, not for everybody, but that's how I always looked at it is I don't do the pushback with the arguing. We just look at the facts. And if they are way above me, then I 100% listen where I'm like, right. he knows what he's doing. He has proof. He has testimonials, case studies. I'm going to shut up and take notes. <laughs> but the majority of time that somebody is like given pushback, it's usually just some level of their own insecurity of themselves projecting. A lot of people just project where you're not their problem. Maybe they're their own problem. Well, that is some good advice. I'm going to use that actually. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a great takeaway. Um, but no, I, I really do love it because it does spark the conversation and it makes people wonder like, you know, do I really want to be the way that I am? And am I giving unsolicited advice for something that I, I shouldn't? Um, so it makes people question, you know? Oh yeah. But, um, man, I, we, I feel like that we've been going for like 50 minutes, but I feel like it's only been a few minutes. <laughs> so we had a good conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but before we do close up, Derek, is there anything like that you want to add or anything that you would like to leave with listeners just to kind of, um, I know we've covered so much and you shared so such a valuable information today, but is there anything else you, you would like to add? Yeah, for sure. So I would challenge people to say this phrase out loud or in their head anytime they don't feel like doing something. I don't want to get up. I want to hit snooze. I don't want to eat this meal. I don't want to clean. I don't want to show up to this call. Anytime that I don't want to pops in your head, just say out loud or in your head, people depend on me. People depend on me. Think of your kids, your dogs, your clients, your customers, your grandma that passed away three years ago, whoever or whatever. People depend on me. You'll get chills. I've chosen my arm saying it, but say it out loud and in your head, because as humans, we're all designed to be selfish. It's a protective mechanism, but it's usually just because we're soft or lazy. But if we zoom out and say people depend on us, we get a rush and we show up better for others. So we, we're actually putting ourselves first when you're in a better place. He, she, and I are all in a better place mentally and physically. We can serve our people much better. So mm-hmm. when we can say it in those moments, we build confidence and power. So that would be the phrase I challenge people to say, people depend on me, they get a rush, and then they do that thing, whatever they're trying to push off. It's so simple, but it's more so the millisecond of the decision. Am I making the right decision because I'm selfish and I don't feel good? Or am I thinking of family and I get a rush and I show up and then they feel it later? They're like, wow, you're on point. And then you're laughing in your head like, yeah, just because I didn't hit snooze this morning. You don't know why I'm like this, but that's why. (laughs) So that'd be something I would leave people with is to start saying that out loud. People depend on me and they get that rush to show up for others mm-hmm. instead of like feeling selfish. Yes, things happen. We can release. But the majority of the time, it's just the small things that we neglect, which causes us not to show up better for others. Are you taking clients now? <clears throat> if anyone we will put all your information in the show notes, but um, just if anyone listened to, to our episode yes. and wanted to get in contact with you. Yes, for sure. So the website is fit with Derek dot com d-e-r-i-c-k and then derek johnson on all social media platforms the handles will be fit with derek too my whole intent of social media is to show the morning routine show client wins and just to make people think maybe somebody got uncomfortable listening to this but it's just raw authenticity of like hey if you want to win we'll show you how (laughs) if not that's totally fine (laughs) but that's basically what it is but that's my favorite thing about it is The same guy online is the same guy in person. I could tell it's the same thing with you, but I feel like nowadays being authentic 
is rare and it's the best thing because everybody's mm -hmm. playing a character online and you meet them and they can't make eye contact. And then you're like, wait, I thought she was a boss, but she can't even speak in Poland. And it's interesting once you start mm -hmm. watching people, but the people mm -hmm. that show up authentically and you know their story, that's why we relate to them. So mm -hmm. I've always loved that. Yeah. But yes, definitely taking on clients that want to harness the mind and the body to get rid of those vices so they have more power of their situation, no matter mm -hmm. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you're doing is is awesome and it's much needed. And, you know, it's just like you said earlier we're not for, <clears throat> I'm not for everybody. You're not for everybody, but the goal is to align with the people that we are for. And, um, I hope, you know, the listeners that are for you can get connected with you. So, um, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all your expertise. Thank you. Thank and, you. Um, I appreciate you having me, Amber, and I appreciate the questions. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. I didn't uh, elaborate too long, but <laughs> no. I just like to express <laughs> what is in there. <laughs> no, and I appreciate the coaching. I'm going to clean out my car right now. <laughs> awesome. You, you'll feel good. Watch. You're going to close the deal. Something, something positive is going to happen within the next few days. You're going to be like, wow, I released some stress and it was just a sticky cup holder. <laughs> like it's always the smallest things. <laughs> and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to message you. I'm going to email you and say, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Derek. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Through the Trauma Podcast. If you have found value in this episode or believe in the mission behind what we are doing, please subscribe so that you never miss any future episodes. Also, be sure to check out our Transformation Project at transformationthroughtraumaproject.com, where we help inspirational stories get heard on a larger scale through multiple platforms. If you know someone who can benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Until next time.